This is the St. Luligan Podcast Network. Hey everybody, this is Show What Make Noise. My name is Zach. I'm Rick. And I am Sam. And uh, today we have a special guest, uh, one of the new and rising stars of Florida Noise. Uh, Austin Adams is with us. Hey guys, how's it going? Fantastic, man. So um, we are recording today at Schlafly in the shadow of the stadium, and we just recorded about 15 minutes of this, and Zach didn't press record. So we're going to do it all again, and we're going to do it exactly the way we did it the first time, and it's going to be great. Including so, me hitting the microphone. And, including, yeah, we got to get a five-minute microphone. Gotta, we got some good hits. We got the mic hit. Zach's got to try to flip the table. Yeah, I got I to gotta hit that. I got to put a straw back in my coffee. It's going to be great. We're going to do all the Foley work for you guys. Um, but, hey, it's been a while since we've talked to you. I think it's been five months since we last five recorded. Five whole months. Sam's baby was just born uh, before <laughs> before we recorded our last episode. Uh, now she is in college, so it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, it is, it has been a while, but there has been a lot of stuff that has happened. Uh, we have gone all the way from midway in the season through, uh, championship playoffs. Uh, Austin was the one of us that went all the way to Columbus. Uh, we're going to talk to him about that. Um, but we're also just going to talk about the St. Louis city season and how that whole thing went. So Austin, you went to, um, the city two final or the MLS next pro final, uh, in Columbus after they decided they needed to switch the game to make it so we couldn't show up. Yep. Um, so tell us a little bit about that, how that worked out that whole thing. Yeah. So Columbus was pretty cool. Um, so pregame wise, the team got, had this little like get together for all the fans that were showing up, had some free drinks at a bar nearby and some free food. Um, and then we got to the stadium, had, uh, this entire upper section of the stadium basically to ourselves, set up our drums, got everything going there. Um, Columbus Stadium is pretty cool. Um, it's pretty similar to ours. I would definitely say ours is nicer. You can see where we kind of have some of the better finishing touches with a full like underside of the roof. Uh, Columbus is just like kind of you just see the metal of the roof and kind of all the wiring of the speakers and lights and everything. So definitely think ours is nicer in that respect. Um, Columbus's capacity is only like 20,000 compared to our 22.5, but their stadium feels way bigger and more kind of cavernous than ours. Um, so I think that's kind of another bonus point to our stadium, but it was a really cool experience. Obviously not fun with us losing the game, but it was a good time. We got to meet some of the Nordeca leadership as well. So got to meet who uh, their head capo was and kind of who their drum corps folks were and stuff. So that was a cool, cool experience being those folks. Nice. I would have liked to do that. Uh, but then they switched times on us. <laughs> Sam and I were fully prepared to drive up and back. We were going to do... It was Wichita all over again. Yeah, man. We, we would have done it. We were going to do stupid college antics <laughs> to make this game happen. And uh, then they took that away from us. But um, so, yeah, the, the stadium, that's honestly the being in the stadium we just uh melissa works for alberisi uh who is one of the the groups that built the stadium and so we got to do a walkthrough tour of the stadium last week and then we actually led a section on the supporter section and um that was really cool one just because it's the most time i've got to spend in the stadium but also just because um it is a really cool stadium and the just how close you are to that pitch is is very interesting uh i gave matt seebeck his 
shout earlier, so I'll do it again. Seabag loves pitching 120 feet to the pitch, and I think that's a really cool part of our stadium. Um, and it will be very interesting to see how um, that affects game day and how that affects noise and maybe how much we can get the crowd involved because, um, yeah, it just it's it's a very different thing than we've ever played at. Yeah, I think being that close, or even if you're the furthest seat away, or you're only 120 feet, I think everyone's going to be really just on top of the field. And that's very different than places like Nashville where, I mean, they're 30,000, but that stadium feels cavernous. Like, it's nice, but it kind of it feels cavernous and like weirdly empty in places um, just because of how big it is. And I don't think they're like below the ground like our stadium is. So they're at ground level and built up around it. So it just feels open and cavernous in a way that ours doesn't. So I think and that's we got the some bonuses. Geodis, right? Or yeah, that's Geodis Park. Yeah. Okay. I've not, because we, the only time we went to see Nashville, they were in the Titan stadium, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We were, and we were at the, uh, the club opener. Yeah. yeah. Cause and I've seen, I've seen them the, from the top. Yeah. We were, we yeah, were in the nosebleed of the nosebleeds. Yeah. And 40 degree weather. Yeah. Yep. 40 degree weather in the wind. <laughs> oh man. And half of us didn't want to be there. Half your bachelor party was not about it. It's fine. It was great. Um, but yeah, I, I think that being in that stadium after being in soccer park and then even with SLU and NSAUE, it's going to be a very, very different audio experience yeah. for us in that stadium uh, just because of how it's built and all of that stuff. So um, cool. So that was uh, the the end of the City 2 season, but we had a lot of City 2 season that we have not talked about probably like six to eight games of City 2. <laughs> It was a long season. It was. It, yeah. It did not. When we were looking at the schedule, it didn't feel that long because of that huge break that we had in the middle where we didn't have any games at home because we were very front loaded. And then yeah. we had like four or five at the but back. It, it's a it was a six and a half month season. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. And it's going to get even longer with MLS yeah. with mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. starting in February and going through potentially the end of October. That's going to be a heck of a season. <laughs> Uh, and I just got the email about XFL tickets the other day. Yep. And if uh, I get in on that too, Melissa will never see me and she will, <laughs> she will fully, and we're not married yet, but she will fully divorce me. So um, yeah, it, <laughs> it's, it's going to be crazy sports in St. Louis next year, all four, all four sports going um, XFL being back in town, which is crazy. MLS obviously coming to town and, and us doing all of our stuff. It's going to be a very interesting year next year. Yeah, figure it out, basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we got tons of college basketball. I mean, we've got so much sport that happens. Yeah. I mean, hell, what the women's and men's for SLU are still in their respective tournaments. I think men's just won last night, one to nothing. I read the article about that this morning. Congratulations, SLU. Kevin Kalish, keep it going. Um, and then their women's team is also killing it. Uh, I don't they were in a championship game last week or they're in a championship game tomorrow uh, they were this week are we, are we being helicoptered what's happening uh, I think they are drilling for more electronics into the state oh cool uh, so we were gonna be witness to the reason the Bayer game doesn't happen <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> Uh, <laughs> actually, Zach, now that you have moved to look through the stadium, I can actually look over your shoulder and see the far net. Oh, that's actually really cool. Uh, yeah, no, that, that 100% is true. Yeah, you can see oh, into the oh, into yeah. the net yeah, from yeah. here. That's cool. crazy. So if you want to save money, uh, Schlafly <laughs> Conference Room, <laughs> you're not going to see a lot of the game, but you might see a goal. <laughs> 
um, you're actually just going to see a lot of people walking through that tunnel with beer. Uh, that's all you're going to see because that tunnel is not wide. Uh, it's it, it about one and a half Sam's. Yeah. I, I measured it in the last tour. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. If you put your elbows there, or if I put my elbows out, I'm a big boy. If I put my elbows out, I touch. Um, Kelly's going to fight somebody if she's bringing beer back to the seat and they both can't fit in the tunnel and somebody yeah. bumps her. She's And if that beer spills, she will end them. Yeah. No, I, I don't doubt that. <laughs> I don't doubt that at all. Um, so let's talk City 2. Um, it was a long season, as Sam said, but it, it was definitely a season of growth. We, we got a lot better uh, from game one to game whatever it was. So what, what do 30? Maybe. Yeah. I don't, I honestly don't know. Um, but what do you think we did? How did we grow from first game at SLU to last game at SIUE? Uh, there was a lot of different dimensions on that front. I mean, probably the most obvious one is numbers and attendance and participation within the drum corps, the capo corps and from the the chant crowd behind us um just getting more people involved every game getting people trained up and ready to play between games uh just the skill level of the drum corps itself has skyrocketed in just the last few months uh and that's what happens when you play a lot yeah play and practice we we did a lot of practicing um in that two or three months where we didn't have a lot of games um Rick kept us up. I think we were doing like two practices a month, which for a musical group really is not that much. Um, there are a lot of groups that practice twice a week. Um, that's just not where we're all volunteers and we do this for free. And all of us usually have to trade somebody for time to get time to do this thing. Like none of us are doing this uh, because we have nothing better to do with our lives. So, um, but yeah, it, I, I think like you said, the dedication of the group of people that we had to show up to do practices, to show up to games, to continue to learn um, has been huge. Sam, what do you think? What's the, the thing we've grown the most with? I think skill like in general. So, you know, we the slew game was awesome because it was like it was like getting it, it was literally getting the band back together. You know, so they sold out Herman. The, the, the boys played like hell. It was awesome. Uh, and we started the season really, really strong. And then when you look at the playoff games, we finished the season really, really strong. But we did it with new people, fringe people, reserve people, you know, more drums. So less familiarity with some of the instruments and the sound. Uh, but I, I think we finished stronger than we started. And a big part of that is, you know, the the practice and the training, uh, but also, you know, the transition work, I think, is probably our biggest improvement. Yeah, I think that idea that we can smoothly move between chant to shot chant to whatever um, has been huge. And I think for me, the biggest thing that I've seen is not as much in the drum corps because we always had a, a relatively solid drum corps, but we did not always have capos um, going through FC um, going when we lost Jason McAdams, we lost Liz. Um, both of those people were really the drivers of our capo group. Um, and we had Jules who stepped up and tried to uh, keep everything going, but it's a big group of people and it's a bunch of drunks to try and control with one person. Um, 
and starting the year we had Austin who was new to us. He's not new to the game, not new to the site, the scene, but definitely was new to being in front of people with a megaphone. Um, we had Clayton, we had Tommy, we had a bunch of people, other Austin that jumped in Liz or not Liz, um, Kim. Uh, so we had lots of other people that, that jumped in and had never done this before. Talk to me a little bit about going from game one to, to game 30 or whatever we had there. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so at least for me, I initially was going to join in and help with the drums, but the first game came and I kind of talking to Clayton and Austin and them, there was still a little bit of an unfamiliarity with some of the chants that were coming from the crowd during the game. So I was like, okay, well, I'll go up there and help. Cause some folks were trying to bring back some FC chants. And I was like, Oh, I know these, but I knew Clayton and Austin didn't. So that's kind of how I got out there to help out that first game. But I think we definitely grew a lot over the course of the year. We, uh, fine tuned our rotation and really kind of got a good game feel for when to do certain chants or when to bring out different chants. Um, we rotated in and out a, a lot of different chants or introduced some new stuff, uh, like the come on you boys in red, that was new. Um, it seemed like the crowd got behind that. So really using that season to really kind of get that game feel, see what chants work, see what the crowd engages with and kind of really fine tune that for next year. Yeah. yeah. Having the capos, <clears throat> excuse me, having the capo core, uh, tightly coordinated was a really new experience for our drum core as well. Uh, and I think that facilitated a lot of uh, kind of comfort for the drumline to be able to try new things mm -hmm. and to push their own limits because we knew we could count on uh, the capos being not just skilled at handling the crowd, uh, but understanding that game flow management and understanding when the drummers needed to take a break because they were gassed or when the chanters needed to take a break and go get another beer. Uh, and being able to communicate that across distance, like uh, it made it a lot easier. Oh, it was tremendously beneficial, uh, especially just thinking from, you know, Zach and I didn't have to think about what the next chant was going to be and what that had to sound like. And then what were we going to do after that? Also, while playing the drum, also while leading that instrument group, also while trying to baby watch the game, also while there's a kid who's going to come play this drum, like all of those things happening at once and just taking the the mental workload off of us as far as deciding the chance and leading the chance was, was a huge piece of how I think we we fell into being so comfortable as a group this time. Yeah. I, I think it allows musicianship that, that having somebody else who can do the singing or the, the leading and all of that stuff. It's like trying to be, you don't see a lot of lead singers as drummers because drumming is a, to do the rhythm side of something is very taxing because you you're constantly trying to make sure that you're hitting at exactly the same time that the person next to you is hitting and you're worried about where you're going to go next and all of those things. Um, having somebody who can purely think about where we need to move and, and what the energy is and where the game needs to go. That is something that's really, really helpful because through FC, when we didn't have capos and a lot of times when we did have capos, that was still me making those calls or me and Sam making those calls or whatever it was. There was not like Sam was saying, there's so much that you have to constantly be analyzing um, when you're doing that to be able to just focus on playing the drums and focusing on is that person off so I can help 
get the core back in line and I can focus on the drummers not having to focus on Mm -hmm. every single thing. And you guys being eyes because I don't watch the game. I just I don't. I, I have too many other things going on. I will turn and watch if you know everybody makes noise. But for the most part, my job is to make sure the drummers are doing what they're doing. So um, having people who are able to watch the game and actually know, oh, we're going into this corner. Give us the high sign so we know we can make the call to the, to the change and figuring out that whole system how to. Who's going to make that call and when are we going to make that call and at what time do we flip? You know, because in the very beginning, when we started flipping, we were doing shots before the person even got to yep. the corner, which doesn't make a lot it of took sense. So long. Exactly. Yeah. And those those things where we know as a drum corps, we can probably get a full another rotation of this driving chant in mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. we go to shots or before we do that, or we'll switch into, you know, tequila or shoot it, which we know has a much longer lead up to get to the chant part of it. So then we've got, you know, a different way that we can run it. And all of those things you learning uh, is very helpful because it it takes a while, right? Yeah. Well, and then I think as we got more comfortable with figuring that out, I think the crowd got more comfortable with it as well. Because a lot of going into shots or going into tequila would randomly start with someone in the crowd, like doing a way too early. Oh, I yelled at my fair share of people. As the season went on and we were like mastering those, going from a chant immediately into shots and then immediately back out of it. I think the crowd was like, oh, actually what they're doing is pretty cool. They know what they know when they're starting stuff. Yeah. I'll kind of mess it up. It, It was rough when we started doing that because we didn't stop our chant and I'm getting... I'm getting shouted at. I'm getting poked at. I'm getting like pushed, like people trying to get my attention. Like it's a corner kick. It's a, we're watching the same fucking game, dude. I know it's a corner kick, (laughs) Uh, but we have the time to finish a chant that we all enjoy doing before, you know, they get to that corner. And even then they have to get set. And then everybody in the box has to get set. And then they got to call. They're ready for it. Like that's two minutes of shots that we don't need to do. And I, when we made that change towards the back third of the season, like it, it felt good. And I I think it sounded better. Well, and I think part of that is weirdly trust. Like we, as a drum corps, you need to trust us that we're doing what we think is best to help move the game forward. And that's a weird thing for fans to do because, you know, everybody sees a game and they get excited and they want to do this thing. But we are we've done this for a while. Most of us have done this for six or seven years. And, and we've gotten to that point where, especially with the group that we have, we can kind of switch on a dime and with the communication we've developed pretty quickly move to something else. So if we want to do that and we want to move quickly, we can do that. Trusting us to do our job kind of is, is really that mm-hmm. yeah. getting, getting the crowd to not think they need to, to run the game and letting them kind of enjoy and let us do our thing instead of yelling free bird at the person on the stage 25 times we get it, you know? Yeah. The, the shitty answer uh, would be in the middle of the season where I just turn to people and I'm like, I fucking see it. Shut up. Yeah. And then towards the end of the season where you just nod them and like, you understand I'm not going to do it. You learned three weeks ago how I feel about you telling me I need to do shots right now. Well, and I also think that had to do a little bit with, we had a weird kind of arc in, I think energy in city two where we did have 
a bunch of games in the very beginning, which we were winning pretty handily. And so we were all on a high and that was a really easy thing to ride when we were at SLU and we had all Mm -hmm. of that momentum. And then we went to SIUE and it got hot and a lot of people weren't coming. And so it was just the 12 people that were chanting and the drummers. And so that gets to the point where nobody kind of wanted to do it for sure. And there were definitely weeks in there where Sam was exhausted because of baby and I was exhausted because of life. And, you know, there were just lots of things that were going on where our energy wasn't there to begin with. Um, And that's another tough thing being performer in hard, hard air quotes. Uh, But being a performer, you have to show up regardless of whether you Mm -hmm. necessarily want to be there or not. Um, And and that's tough when it's a hard condition to be in a game. Yeah, that's something that comes up a lot during practices. Uh, Like I try and reinforce it pretty consistently that once you put your Fleur de Noise shirt on, once you have that drum in front of you or the megaphone in your hand or you're carrying our hardware, someone's always watching. The, the performance does not start at kickoff. The performance does not start with the march. It starts when you arrive at the tailgate and you start setting up a table or unfurling a flag. Yeah. Uh, and it really does make the entire day the show. Yeah. Yeah. And it's being a supporter group and the part of the type of supporter group we are, you know, the Luligans can set up and just have a party because that's, that's who they are. We are very much aimed at creating noise and creating an atmosphere and, and performing. And so that, that changes a little bit of who we are and how we kind of interact on, on those mm-hmm. kind of days. Mm-hmm. But those, uh, those down games in the middle of the season were almost kind of nice because it gave us a chance in low pressure situations to get, for the veteran members back into game day playing condition, you know, pushing ourselves over the course of a full season. And it gave us opportunities to work out kinks within the playing in real game time situations. Cause there's things you just can't rehearse. Absolutely. But I think a lot of people don't, I think a lot of people saw us coming into this as we were trying to do performances. And a lot of what we kept saying was, all of this is practice for us. These games mm-hmm. are workshops for us. They are for us to learn how we operate as a game day of 30 people instead of a five. And, yeah. and that's a, if you do any kind of organizational work, every time you add a new person, you add three layers of difficulty because you have a different schedule and a different personality and a different way of working and seeing things. So every time you add a new person, you're constantly changing that dynamic and what, what pulls one direction. But lucky for us, we got a lot of good people. 100%. We do. Yeah. It's a, it's a great group of guys uh, and, and gals uh, and everything in between. Uh, it helps too, you know, when you look at every week, we had the drums in a different layout. We went, we spread out horizontally, we spread out vertically. We just took up the whole section we did. And then within that, we're moving people around as the, you know, mixing up who you're playing next to, which also has a, has a big impact on it because, uh, you know, Jake, Tuba Jake and I, when we're on the, the skyline print bases, when we're playing right next to each other, we played together 
a lot better than when we were on opposing ends of the section because we both had different ideas of what needed to happen in that little bit of time where you could be creative and as long as Rick didn't hear you, you were fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but once you, you know, the game we played right next to each other, we were very strong. We were very loud because we, you know, we were on the same page constantly. So mixing everybody up definitely also helped. Yeah. And I, I think all of those different formations, we were learning how we best communicate. Mm-hmm. Because the way that a lot of our communication runs, at least internally, drum-wise, goes through Rick or I, depending on who's there and, and who's leading on that particular thing. And then we get information to Sam, who gets information to bases and everybody around, and that tends to be how a lot of that organization goes. Then adding capos into that, we never had capos before, so we didn't have to communicate with them a lot. Now they're communicating info up to us which when we're disseminating through everybody else so yeah just learning how to do all that and again learning how to do that in a stadium is going to be different because we were five feet away from austin Mm -hmm. um right now we're still only about 15 feet away from you where the drum platform is currently but the goal is is that we're going to eventually be basically concourse level so how do we do that same level of communication when I can't yell at Austin, mm-hmm. where how does that work? So, um, again, it's going to be a, a totally new situation for us. And we can go practice in the stadium. That's a thing we might get to do at some point. But we still can't do it with 3,000 people in a stadium. So, um, how, you know, or in that section. So, yeah. that, that communication, even if we perfect it with nobody there, is going to be entirely different when we get a bunch of people Yeah, there. I think that type of stuff is where... I don't know, I've been to a decent amount of different MLS games, and so I'm trying to look at kind of what their best practices were for how they communicate So and see what we can do here. I mean, some teams do the armband thing like they're a quarterback. Other teams have big uh, like foam poster boards that have the chant on it, and they kind of show that to the drummers and over to the other capo stands. So really trying to figure out what can work for us and what's the best way to go about doing that. Y'all have been working up a lot lately with uh, hand signals. Yeah. I've been seeing that popping around the yep. Discord. Yeah, I think, and, and that's just how it, you know, we'll figure out what the thing is that works and, and what works best for us, and, and then we'll run with it. But yeah, I think this season has been great for us in the sense that we got to learn so much about what it is to work with a larger group and how to try and get everybody playing the same thing. And we also made hard decisions on gear. Like we bought drums in the off season two of which were great and two of which we're probably never going to play again. So um, that organization and how we learned to move around in the gear and how we learned to get our sound to sound the way we wanted to sound versus maybe how it sounded in the very beginning is also, I think, a, a, a learning curve that we had to work through a bit. Yeah. And I, th- I think a lot of it was defining our sound you know, do we want to be punchy? Do we want to be, uh, you know, do we want those notes to linger? You know, and when we started the season, we had these, these big, big drums, these 36 inch drums, uh, that were concert drums that we kind of converted into what we needed them, what we wanted out of them, you know, and they, they did all right at SLU. They did all right at SIUE, but they just, they didn't carry the drive, I think, that we really wanted. And so mid, you know, mid season, 
we fell kind of ass backwards into a couple other drums that were more marching uh oriented and we were able to move to a little punchier of a drum line and there's actually really the first game we swapped the 36s for those other skyline drums like there was an immediate reaction on the feed as well for how we sounded because that's when we really started getting mixed out and people were really commenting about how how good we sound on the feed yeah and again i think all of that is just it took us time and a little bit of frustration to figure out but that's how groups figure those things out that's how all musicianship happens as you play something enough times you go you know what this just isn't working Mm -hmm. sometimes less is more let's cut some of the unnecessary stuff out and try and get back to the basics and try and make sure that we're all hitting as on the same note as possible because that's just physics the more times you can double that exact same note the louder it's going to get so if we can hit all at exactly the same time it makes us significantly louder than if we're hitting or we even have that resonance which then layers out some of that that tone because that's again just how music works yeah there's still so much fine-tuning that we have to do uh like we've been getting comments all season about how well we're playing about uh the the good that we're doing for the in-game atmosphere and we appreciate those comments but like there's always room for improvement i think right now the big conversation that we've been having is uh what to do about snare drums yeah yeah and that mm-hmm. that is a for that stadium it makes sense that we would probably go with the high tension i think just because it carries the most but also it doesn't have the tone that maybe we always i mean i at least me personally i like a snare tone uh and i don't feel like a high tension drum is a snare tone well Uh, so we've played with both drums at sporting park bercy park whatever whatever its name is now yeah you know and we've played with just the high tension and a bass and we've played with the low tension and a bass and the high tension snare cuts through everything in the stadium yes like period it's loud it's sharp but it doesn't have like you said it doesn't have that snare feel yeah it it has no warmth it is it is a hard click tone yeah and so it's great for a a metronome it's great for that punchy snare you know we need nothing but the hit that's a a beautiful drum for it but when you want any kind of warmth or tone into it you're not getting that from high tension drums yeah that's that's like one of the areas really where we're looking to refine our sound yeah Uh, we're like as a section uh everyone's really over the course of this season understood much better than they did even for that first slew game what their responsibilities are with their instrument as we play and that's enabled us to take risks find that sound be more mature as musicians and start to experiment with things uh because the individual techniques there the understanding of how your bass drum or your floor tom or the snare drum or my quince fits into the grooves and it's not just hacking away for five or six minutes. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that all of that has definitely improved as we've moved through the the year and, and 
I don't know, going into the off season, but, um, but just cause we're getting into the off season doesn't mean anything changes. We are going in. Um, I think we have four practices set up over the next two months. So, um, very excited to keep moving, to keep pushing and a game four and a game. Yeah. Well, let's since we're there, um, you guys excited to get to go into the stadium on the 16th? No. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i can't go yeah, i'm bitter unfortunately rick uh they they chose the only day rick can't go on any weekday so i can't play drums for y'all that night i have to go play drums somewhere else <laughs> rick is uh unfortunately a real musician and the problem with real musicians is that they have to actually go do real music stuff sometimes um so uh, we will unfortunately be without rick that night but other than that i think we have a pretty full drum corps i think a lot of people are going to be able to be there Um, we we're going to have a spatial issue which is exciting for me because it means we have the people yes um that that drum platform that they gave us was not the drum platform that i understood that we were getting (laughs) i think envisioned would be the word it's definitely not what i envisioned i mean Uh, the the I could go back to the text that Seebeck sent me, and I'm pretty sure those are not the dimensions I was given, but we'll we'll go with it. Let's figure it out. It's 25 feet, isn't it? That was was not what we talked about originally, but anyway, it's it's right there. We could break out the tape measure. Yeah. Look look at it this way. And and Caleb and I were, Caleb and I were talking about this uh, last week, week before the stadium tour. Uh, If we, sound as good as we know we can sound and we have everybody here and we genuinely need more space to comfortably accommodate all the people that sound really really good that's a problem that he's going to welcome and that's a problem i'm going to welcome like it's like look you gave us this but now you see what we are in a production environment we we need to upgrade yeah and i think that's that's a positive i honestly don't think we have enough drums to really fill up what we have right now because we can put well so those i laid that bass drum out on the stand and we can put five of those five or six of the yeah i mean so bass drum it's not a stand. horizontally yes most of the drums will fit yes There's we sh- don't set up horizontally though yeah <laughs> yeah um, but I, I don't think that's honestly that big of a deal. I think the snare and the two twenty twos could probably go in the front row and then you could put all the drums that need to sit flat on the back row. And well, the, the drums that sit flat are going to have to go on the platform. Yeah. That's the what drums they can play upright. I figured we go up a row. Well, you can either go up or down. It doesn't matter one way or the well, other. Thinking, so, I mean, think about it when you, when you communicate, you communicate very loudly That's fair. and it would make more sense. I think for that coming from behind us versus yeah it's just hard with hand signals but we'll figure it out yeah but that's why you thing is we also have the way the the rails are yeah around the also very very far away from what i imagined yeah um but they finally answer the question of where could we hang things okay and then the answer is i think a lot of the banners are going to hang from that drum platform gotcha as far as the lulian flag and the punks and and all that cool interesting all right. That just means we need to get our flag so we can be dead center on that. I'm working on it. <laughs> there was a, a clerical error in the design of the 
size of the flag that I was told <laughs> creates a, a safety hazard. Speaking of errors in design, I think one of the biggest things, if we haven't talked about it on this actual recording yet, <clears throat> is the uh, the new brand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we came out with a, a brand that we teased for nine months and then that, never that would recorded be a another clear, That would be a clerical error. It would yeah. be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we launched Florida Noise. Ta-da! Hey! <laughs> I teased it for five solid episodes and then we didn't record for five months. No, we just had to let like the confusion and hate die off. <laughs> did, did we have Florida Noise at that point? Or we, we did still not going know. That was still, we were the, the unnamed drum corps. Oh, we're not, yeah. you're not even going to throw it out there? That's fine. I'll stick with it. Uh, but yeah, so we're, we were. We're going to say that do, for the second. Do we want to talk about no, no, what we had on the no, table? No, fuck it. We'll just, right. If we ever use it, we still got it. So yeah, uh, I still, go. I still own all those domains uh, and social tags. So we were. So for context, we were minutes away, essentially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of unveiling what we thought was going to be the new. Uh, drum capo musical group and then at the last second kind of like uh, big red button it yeah. doesn't really uh, it, I think uh, it was we had a name that we were I think the name at least some of us were okay with but then we went to try and do the art and the yeah. art didn't there was no way we were getting the art with that name that we wanted the art to be and that wasn't any of the artist's fault that was a we didn't know what we wanted our vision wasn't truly there yeah we but well, we didn't have a brand strategy at that point exactly so then we just totally scrapped it throughout uh the idea of let's just work until we find the right thing and then as through most of the things our website a lot of our chant list all of the other things austin came through <laughs> and throughout what as Rick describes, is so aggravating because <laughs> how we didn't see it up to that point. <laughs> it was on my notes app for a while, but I was like, this is... We'll throw out every other idea. And then they got to, like, I think it was like that last day of, like, we need something. And I was yeah. like, well, this one's been here. And everyone was like, ah, just, that's it. It's just like a collective, like... Oh. Right, it really was like, God damn it! Like, how did we not? How did we not get to Florida Noise? It was brilliant. <laughs> I, I read it for the first time, and I was like, Oh shit! Yeah, that's our name. That's our name. It yeah. just made absolutely. And that's one of those things that, because of the way we went through the design process before of really voting and trying to figure out what we liked best and all of it, but none of it felt right. We were just going through the motions because we needed at that point, we needed to start moving on a brand. We just, we were at a point in, I guess our evolution as a group where we needed a way to, differentiate ourselves from this podcast because show up make noise was never meant to be the name of the drum group it was always meant to be the podcast where we talked about whatever the drum group was going to be um and so when people started thinking the drum group was show up make noise then i started panicking because i didn't want us to be inexorably linked to Sam, Sam, not on the courts, anywhere but on the court. Uh, but I didn't want us to be inexorably linked to that. Why are you, why are you being this guy? Don't be the, don't be Melissa, right? So we're, at a, we're, at a, we're at a big table. You can't reach me forever. That's true. No, we, I mean, we got far enough into the season that we had to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. Or we were going to accidentally be stuck forever known as show up. Well, and we were coming up on that game that the Sporting KC game that everyone 
expected to be at the stadium. Yeah, that was like, a, need that was like a landmark game. Yeah, absolutely. Game. Yeah, and I, I mean, everyone collectively busted their ass to get us ready for that game. Hundred mm. percent. Yeah, it was that was one of those. Th- we're not angry at the stadium, so I don't want anybody to listen to this and be like, we're angry that this didn't happen. We don't want you to Fox News us. Um, but we did uh, <laughs> we did have a, a goal that we needed to have who we were and our identity kind of mapped out by a certain point. And that was the end of the season because if we didn't have that. We wouldn't be able to run with any kind of, I hate the word, but synergy coming into this next season of being able to have branded apparel and those types of things, things that we could start making money off of. We didn't have a plan for any of those things. So, and when I say make money, don't misunderstand me. We are so far in the hole. These t-shirts we basically bought out of pocket and barely made enough to cover the t-shirts. So, um, the whole plan of anything we are selling is purely to be able to replace the heads that I break on drums. <laughs> so, um, for the first Fleur de Noise game, you had a brand new snare head. Brand like, new. Brand new. Like it was put on that day. To be fair, and I, blame you, that, I blame that rim. That and is not you me. <laughs> beat the glue off of the head I and did. completely destroyed I it. Destroyed I've still it. got that head sitting in my basement somewhere. Do you want that trophy? <laughs> uh, I don't need more broken drum head trophies. <laughs> um, but the moral of the story is, is that we are using a lot of secondhand gear, sometimes third and fourth hand gear. Um, we are trying to fix things as much as we are physically able to fix to make it so that we don't break stuff. Um, but we do break stuff. It is, we are playing for 90 minutes and depending on how excited we get, we hit harder. Um, we've already dented the crap out of, uh, the 28 inch head. We've got a bunch of, you know, Oh, my, my batter head is beat to shit. Yeah. And that was just one game. And that's what I'm saying. We, we put a lot of effort into those drums. Um, so we are going to go through heads, probably five or six heads per drum per season. And those heads are, I mean, we got what? 18 home games. Yeah. So three drums, a se- three heads a season. Either way, they're yeah. $30 a drum head. But I mean, at so least. Drum head, depending on the drum, hmm? like a, like a lot of those bass drum heads, they can start pushing into the hundred dollar range so yeah. real easy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's drum heads. The, the hoop on the snare has, has needed to be replaced. Um, the high tension snare didn't have any maintenance done on it for the entirety of the St. Louis FC tenure. So it needed a near total overhaul. The low tension snare needed work. We have the third snare that still needs work. Uh, the war drum needed new heads, and the, those heads are not cheap. Jesus Christ. I have a question on the war drum. What the yeah. fuck are we doing with the war drum? Well, right now it's sitting in the front room well, just yeah, driving, a, driving a nail in the coffin of if, if I die unexpectedly, it was probably Kelly, and it was probably because I haven't moved the drum. But, like, what does that drum fit anywhere in that fucking stadium? Like, it, anywhere? So, technically, it fits on the drum platform. But we couldn't get it to the drum platform. We because the drum platform is not big enough to wheel it. Or the we would have to physically lift it above the lines. Nope. So nope. So this idea was posed for the beginning of the game or for the pregame, right? Like if we do a pregame STL chant or something. Are we going to TIFO drop it from the fucking rafters? <laughs> <laughs> 
Could we fucking Tifo drop a drum? Yeah, yeah, but somebody's gonna be strapped to it like Travis Barker style and just swinging around the side. No, Um, I nominate Brad, but it's not his choice, and we never unhook him. <laughs> just like Brad is our our monkey up on the second award. Thinking all the all the ways that he he would say no to that, and I can't have any as long as he's got beer. I I, uh, I don't care if he says no. I think I'm just nominating that we just strap Brad to the drum. So, well, there's a couple different things that that kind of got thrown out that we were thinking about. Um, doing like a pregame STL chant just to like hype everybody up, mm-hmm. and the war drum can be on the south end of the concourse okay uh so if we're in the supporter section we see it across the field and that forces right because aren't we on the north end yeah so it would be all the way on the other side yeah okay uh and that with the goal of energy engaging oh we're gonna activate the stadium. there you go we're gonna activate the stadium right on uh or one of the other options or things that we were talking about was was rolling it out in the main concourse but bringing it up to the corner of the section so it doesn't actually have to come down any stairs or anything by the pub side or by the other side i you're already got more details oh okay well pub side is this side over by 21st street and then the other side is pub side's northeast yeah yeah so I it probably it would probably be northwest just because of pub traffic. Okay, sure. Um, but bring it up to that diagonal. Yeah, on the corner. Yeah, yeah. and have it there. Cool. Yeah, uh, but I only don't. only in a limited capacity. The problem is that we don't have anywhere to put it where we can use it constantly. Yeah, and we need literal watchers and and roll and we should just put it on some uh, big old off-road tires and have them take it to midfield because uh, at least then it gets some i eyes. did make a play though that it should sit at field level and then just not be used so, you know like timber yeah. joey and all his shit hangs out behind the yeah. goal yeah, yeah, yeah uh there's not a lot of space there's not and one wide shot from a kid who thinks he can messy a ball into the corner and he destroys our wardrobe yeah Cool. Yeah, I just I the more I look around that stadium, the more time I've been had to be inside of it. I keep looking around. And I'm like, there's that doesn't there's no space for that. Yeah. If the platform was bigger. Yeah. You know, it would make sense. Even then, though, like it's it's so much room and it's going to have to be essentially center of the section if we want it to look right. And that's yeah. just going to mm-hmm. it's going to destroy 90 percent of the communication so Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know man anyway it's not a big deal then you know the club was also talking about like what do you in in the supporters council not supporters councils fan councils uh talking about rituals traditions celebrations things like that yeah one of the conversations was like so i think it's columbus has the jackhammer yeah oh it's so bad and it yeah and then somebody's got like a railroad spike and somebody else has a yeah, bell and railroad. somebody has a cannon or some shit like that hate all of it yeah okay well <laughs> the, be- the bell is pretty cool that's montreal i don't know i'm in yeah. the bell bell's but, cool like, as long as it's not like was it the ohio state bell where you just stand there like it looks like you're just jacking it inside the bell. <laughs> <laughs> uh so doing that, like, do they have celebrities? Do they have like uh, season ticket holder spotlight people or something like that? And do we you, do we leverage that drum for again, like the pregame STL or or, or something? I don't know. Like, I mean, Austin just uses Matthew McConaughey, right? Yeah. Like that's literally just Matthew McConaughey shows up every game. We don't have a Matthew McConaughey. We can get John Hamm. 
Sure. Or, or um, um, what's the... Nelly? Should we get Nelly? <laughs> guys, everyone likes go. Nelly. Yeah, let's get Nelly. John Hamm on the drum? Yeah, I mean, that would that would, that would would be good. I mean, Who Ma- would probably do it? Mastermind's come down and played drums with us. I don't know that he's celebrity enough. He's local celebrity. But I mean, like, it, it, would, it would be like it. a different person every game, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So. Uh, that's how Mizzou does it with their big Mo war drum. Yeah. yeah. It's, they just wheel out Shell Crow every game and yeah. like... <laughs> Maybe a man of the match gets to play the war drum. Yeah, well, it, then it would, have to, it would have to be some. The thing is, we can't roll it across the field, and for for something like that to work, we would have to roll it from. You could roll it the astroturf. You we could, could hit, do it once. You could hit the astroturf side. Yeah, but we'd have to do that like during the game for it to be ready by the end of the game. Oh, I just feel like you put it. You just put it back behind the drum and hope. Yeah, back behind the goal. There's not any room behind the goal. Are we going to Stanley Cup the war drum? Are we going to do like three, four war drums? There's like two feet of room behind the back of the net and the concrete. Yeah, but it's a low fence. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm still for dropping it out of the fucking rafters. I think we just just leave the rafters. Turkey drop style. Yeah, for sure. Just all the way down, let it fall. Just like drop it out of hell. Yeah, we're not controlling it. We're just dropping it down. Look out below. Uh, right. We'll fill it with T-Ravs and then we... Uh, oh, finally, <laughs> we've got it. Yes. It's a T-Rav. Uh, oh, God. Well, Austin didn't do the mic, but I'm, Sam got I'm it. Having a, I'm having a moment over here. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's fun. All right. So, I just really like Toasted Ravioli. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. Of all the stupid shit that people throw out for celebrations, Toasted Ravioli Cannon's still the only one I give a shit about. So uh, I'm here for that. Um, has anything else come out interesting in those um, ritual meetings? I, I stopped they, getting invited to those. <laughs> they only had one. And to be fair, I wasn't invited either. I just showed up. No, um, they had one, and it was at the, was the Tastemasters room at Anheuser-Busch, which was pretty cool. And does probably... 40 people there uh, mostly unaffiliated new fans so not you know loaded with there was, uh, was a couple Luligans, a couple Florida Noise a couple uh, uh, punks were there like uh, Andy and I were at the, the table together uh, and they talked about you know what when you think about sports rituals what do you think about you know what's a what's a sports tradition that sticks with you what's your favorite not just sports tradition, but what's your favorite if you have one soccer tradition? Uh, you know, and then we score a goal. What does the celebration look like to you? You know, and start thinking about, you know, the smoke and the the audio element and, and all of those other things. Um, we, I, we already, I think, have the same answer. Nothing on the PA. Just let us do our, yeah, just, yeah. Just let us do our fucking job. Fuck right I, off and let us back, do our job. <laughs> back to that Columbus game. If I never have to hear that Columbus announcer ever again in my life, yeah. after they score a goal, I'd be so happy. Because, like, they say the guy, the person that scored's name, like, 15 times oh, and, like, have funny. the crowd try and, like, yell at their last name. Oh, is that, they do the, no, they I, do the German, they do the German thing? I, yeah. Personally, I like that, but I think I like that for, like, three times. Yeah, and then it was, you're, it was a lot, and there was, like, some, like, techno EDM version of Bella Chow playing in the background. It was a whole thing. What? I don't know. What is Bella Chow? For yet another reason, Billy Jensen, that we are not going to do Bella Chow. So, and that's so we, I think we talked about this right at the end of where we cut off last time. We did not get back around to it this time, um, which is chant selection, <laughs> chant, chant selection and, and our version of doing original chants versus 
doing the very established chance. Um, and it did come up on a, I was just going to give Billy Jensen his, his plug because he did bring it up on Twitter the other day about, are we going to do a version of Bella Chow? Uh, so what do you got, Sam? I don't have an answer to that. So uh, if we want to answer that, we'll fire it over. Uh, no, to, my, to, uh, my answer is no, <laughs> my, my simple, but you kind of, you kind of hit on that earlier. Of, uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> to, to sum up versus saying it all over again, uh, the established chants are established for a reason, right? You know, if you've got five, seven, ten teams that all have, you know, an Esta Noche chant, it's because it works, right? So there's something there. And we can be as unique and St. Louis and, and blue collar and, and, and roll up our sleeves and, and do it our way we want. But those those chants work, you know, and, and soccer fans who maybe didn't show up in St. Louis until we had this club are still soccer fans are going to know some of those chants, you know? So it is, it is about finding a healthy mix and I don't envy Austin. I don't envy you and Clayton, anybody else trying to figure out what that blend is, but you know, those chants exist for a reason. The whoa, whoa, some of the U S chants, the U S chants work because they're the dumbest, simplest, easy to learn chants in the world. So yeah, why wouldn't you want to take one of those? What are you saying about Americans? <laughs> We don't have a good cultural background. How much time do you have? <laughs> well, so, and that's the, we always have people that say you need to create a totally original chant. I don't think anybody in soccer history has ever created well, a totally original chant. The, the American sports landscape, and I'm going to go that broad, yeah. is not England. We don't have 50-year, 100-year deep-rooted traditions. My dad and his dad, we went to the games, and my dad's dad's dad bought our first season tickets, and so like this is in my book. We don't have that. We're never going to have that. The American sports landscape is not built for something like that, period, at the top level. Like an end of end right there, you know, so we're not going to have those custom songs and lifelong traditions and like, it's just not a thing. And that's the biggest problem I have with those fan councils where we're going to decide what our tradition or our thing is, because it all just feels like we're trying to create a thing. We're trying to figure out what that thing should be. And I understand why it has to exist. It just, it's, it's we're trying to create that hundred years of history without doing it. Yep. So, um, but that's not to say we aren't going to do those chants. Yeah. And I just to add to that, I think like you said, those chants, everyone does them because they work. So there's a little bit of like why reinvent the wheel, but I think there's ways that we can make those more unique to St. Louis, put our spin on it, kind of figure out what our, sound is like you have austin la who do some of those chants some more than others i think la does a lot more of them than austin does but they kind of put in a lot more of that the latin american influence to it with they have a lot of horns or kind of just have a different like vibe to doing those chants so i think there's how can we do some of those maybe but make them so that when people are listening to our like watching our games on tv or on apple tv they're like ah that's the same i'm watching a st louis game they like we have a kind of a unique sound even if we're doing a few of those kind of familiar chants yeah and i i also feel like with the estenoche and a couple of the other ones we don't have a i think a lot of the chants that are widely done that we don't do are 
Hispanic-based chants. They are chants that we don't have a lot of representation currently in our group of. So <laughs> <laughs> the PR lights moving from, from green to yellow. No, but like, like Estenoche, I don't speak Spanish. I no, can't I, lead I, a Spanish chant. I agree like, with you. I, I think it's, yeah. it's how we how we present that. But again, yeah. you know, we when we started this and we started talking to City, our our statement to the game day people and the community people and anyone who would listen was if we're just a bunch, if we're just like seven white guys playing the drums and we've done this horribly wrong. Yeah. And I think that's where we're still trying to work. We're still trying to not be a bunch of cis white men, you know, doing one thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, we are trying to, to grow in that way, but we, again, we just need more people that want to do it, that have talent to show up and, and do those things. Um, and we want you to feel, comfortable showing up and doing those things but um we do have a couple cool chants that i think we have not done a lot of that um we want to get back in we've got a couple chants that we tried that we just need to rework a bit to figure out how they're going to fit um city changing the name um from what it was back to city park um brings a chant back that we maybe hadn't done or we we kind of took out of rotation because it didn't make sense because meet you at the park didn't really make any sense and now meet you at the park makes almost too much sense and it's hard not to take it you know to not do it um but I think rewriting some of the words in that chant might get people more on board. Um, it was a fine chant for what it was and what we've done, but I think maybe drawing, I'll just go with what I threw out there to draw a little bit more history and try and make it a little bit more St. Louis and a little bit more personal to who we are, I think is where we start really hitting mm-hmm. winning with some of those chants, some yeah, of those definitely. chants that haven't worked before. One. Well, that chant that we were beating around the bush about is very uniquely St. Louis. So that was stuff that got brought up at the sound council that I went to was that was a specific thing of like, Oh, that'd be cool to do that. And we're like, well, we've done that before. We're trying to figure out how to bring it back. So, and that's my favorite thing on Twitter is when somebody's like, we should do this chant. And I'm like, we've been doing that chant for 10 years. <laughs> we, we have 100%. We have that written. We've, in fact, we do it every week. Yep. <laughs> Where are you? Um, and if you get that response from Zach, I try not to put that response on the internet, but um, if you do get that response of, Hey, we've been doing that. It's not a, a slight on you for not knowing that. That's just a, a lot of us have been doing this for many, many years, and we have that familiarity with a lot of things that maybe you don't. Sam, stop it. I'm having, I'm having such a hard time. That's so why we don't give you st- mic I know, stands. I, I, never, I never should have agreed to the mic stand. Buys his own mic stand that creates tons of problems with it. Um, anything else we want to talk about chant-wise, though? Things that um, either have come up or um, at least on the new or workshopping chants thing that we've uh, not really touched about so far? Uh, we definitely have chants that are going to be workshopped and learned and brought up to game speed over the course of this offseason. Um, and this might be a really nice segue for another bit. But like we had one chant that is very decidedly not game ready. We've maybe been able to rehearse it once or twice and it got published. published. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, now we, we're kind of on the hook <laughs> for for a, a Roman Berkey player specific chant, which I'm totally on board with because I wrote it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good chant. But yeah, also, we just haven't touched it at yeah, all. Yeah. And so it, it's going to take a lot of work. And it's a complicated one. Like it's a one where mm-hmm, people have mm-hmm. to kind of be on board to know where that chant goes, or it's going to be a really hard one to pull off. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yep. We'll see how that goes. Um, so yeah, I, I think that chant is fun. Uh, Rick and I just threw down one in the studio the other day because we've been trying to get in and try and build some things that we can actually publish to you guys on Spotify or YouTube or even just on our website, uh, which uh, I don't know if I've given Austin credit for building this time around, but uh, Austin did all of our website. Um, There's been a bunch of people that have worked on chant lists and those types of things. So thank you to everybody who has done those things. Um, But yeah, we've, we've got some stuff on the website now that has centralized where we go for things has made it very easy for people to find our stuff. We have the QR code, but even if you don't have the QR code, you can just go to FloridaNoise.com um, and you can get all of our chant lists. You can get all of our information there. Um, so very easy to interact with us on that. And it's a very nice, easy to navigate website. It um, has never been easier to get your chant on <laughs> as a member of the supporters section. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, if there's ever a point, I don't know how we feel about you know, we've done some set lists and things at times, but it, we may even try and arrange that in a way for those first couple games of where we think we're going to go with chance. So hopefully if you can figure out where you're on the list, you might be able to just follow along with us. Yeah. So yeah, um, we'll, uh, we'll need to start uh, getting in contact with the coaching staff and trying to get a hold of the game plan so that we can really tailor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if Lutz can uh, give us a, a quick idea of where we should expect to push, you know, on, on minute wise. Uh, That's <laughs> definitely, our reasonable request yeah are we gonna are we gonna sit back early lunch are we pushing hard we gotta know we gotta, we gotta know where we're coming in uh, i think it's all press all the time isn't it yeah that's that's our only our only style i think is all press all the time and i'm here for it it is very different than st louis fc which i think we also kind of brought up in the beginning of things that we learned as we were going along St. Louis FC, we had a lot of shoot it chance because mm-hmm. St. Louis FC players were not good at pulling the trigger. They yeah. did not did not shoot. We did not score a lot of goals. Unless your name is Irvin Herrera. Irvin Herrera. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, or or Tyler Blackwood. Did I yeah. get it right? Did I get it right? I don't know. Uh <laughs> I don't even want to tell you. I, I, know. I just want to sit here and enjoy I, it. I know. But anyway, um, we had a couple of people that knew how to score a goal. Other than that, though, it was it was a barren couple of years. So learning how to do chants that weren't purely just uh, can we please score a goal or even just turning those chants into things that are a little bit more positive that that work in the game day situations. Uh, all stuff that we've learned this year that have grown through uh, a couple different things cool guys we are at an hour what's uh what stuff we haven't talked about anybody want to talk about world cup anybody excited about the world cup we don't do news but we'll we'll talk it's a lot of hot drama right now about that i really don't want to touch it oh with yeah with all the the fifa stuff and and uh Oh, the, certain, the AO? certain yeah. uh, national organizations. Yeah. It's, so AO put out a statement on that, which was 
very confusing. So, because uh, they they refute that they did anything wrong, and it's it's just a very interesting situation. So, if I had counsel, they would be advising me not to offer my opinion. That's fair. Well, let's let's go more team wise, though. What do you? Looking at World Cup, either U.S. team coming in or um, just teams in general. Like, I've been interested in how many players are getting hurt. I was about... So, I was actually about to bring that up. If you look at the the starting 11, the injured 11, that's a team that would win the World Cup. Like, that's how many people are hurt and out and not going. Those those top 11 guys would win the Cup. Yeah. Well, that's why I keep looking at England. And England, for a while, they were... They're like, we have so many right and left backs. (laughs) We don't... It's going to be such a hard selection. Well, they're talking about having to play people out of position because they have so many backs. Yeah. And then... And now they don't have any. Now they don't have any. Because they lost Reese James, Trent Mm -hmm. Alexander, Arnold. Mm -hmm. They lost uh, Ben Chilwell. They've lost... Damn near anybody that was was worth anything. You can remember all those obscure names for people who don't play in this country, but you can't remember Talon Blackheart. <laughs> uh, I thought we left the uh, the name the name dartboard. Oh my back god! At the, the office. That's with my next D and D character for sure. <laughs> Talon Blackheart. <laughs> He's gonna wear super short shorts. <laughs> I need I need chainmail armor, but I need it to be very short, very short. and very tight. <laughs> I want it. I want it just above hanging level. <laughs> volleyball shorts, but it's chainmail. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. I, I want to do the male version of female armor. <laughs> just like uh, male speedo, and then like male crop top. This is just right above the nipple. Um, or below the nipple. I am above the nipple. Whatever. <laughs> Depends on how racy I want to get. Uh, but um, yeah, I just the World Cup coming up is interesting. There are going to be a ton of watch parties. Um, our friends, the punks, are doing stuff with Beffas, I believe. Um, so you can catch that with them. Um, Amsterdam is doing watch parties. Obviously, if you've never been to an Amsterdam World Cup game, I'm. I don't know how to prepare you for what you're about to walk into. If you hate people, it's really not for yeah, you. Yeah, do not show up it's, there. It's sensory overload. It's intense. It's loud. But they often buy out the parking lot next to them or the street, and that makes it more manageable and more entertaining. Yeah. Um, I would suggest at least two hours. If you're going to go over there, yeah. I would also suggest ride share. Do not try and drive and park mm-hmm. over there because, again, they shut streets down. It gets very, very complicated to get over there. Um, but, yeah, definitely check that out. They have um, Amsterdam's fantastic. Apparently, they're doing something down here. I'm waiting, I don't, I'm waiting for the announcement. Yeah, they did they, a great job of teasing it. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. They, they posted something on Instagram. Um, we want to talk about teasers? <laughs> Guys, you want to talk about teasers? That's a fun topic we could get into that people won't, definitely won't be angry about. <laughs> Let's talk about teasers. Well, it depends. Is this episode going to be released before or after the game? <laughs> oh, it'll uh, hopefully before, but I mean, you know how my release schedule goes, so... Yeah. <laughs> I've I've always said I'm going to get this out the night the night after and then the it comes club out is very good at building hype around their announcements and do with that whatever <laughs> you want that might be all I say on this I, I mean you're not wrong they, but, they but definitely did I, get a response did I pre-order an extra small for B yeah I did nice you got the authentic one I hope. I think they only had the one for kids. <laughs> I, just, I just love the idea that she has to be fully authentic or she won't be happy with it. Right. <laughs> the child has a refined taste. Right. 
No, uh, that'll be super adorable. The, mm-hmm. Your your child in that shirt will definitely be the best version of that shirt, whatever it is. Yeah, be the best version of me too. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be uh, me in that shirt for sure. Um, not that I'm not buying it, just that I'm not going to look good in it because um, it's a jersey and I'm fine. And they only they only go up to Adidas 3X, which I yeah. keep getting told are big enough, but I don't know. Man. I don't believe it. I'm, I've I'm, been burned before. I'm a, I'm a big boy with a big belly that uh, only keeps getting bigger because I stress eat instead of working out. Uh, so, um, anyway. I don't know if you heard earlier, but there was some drilling going on in the street, so if the game doesn't happen at Centene, you heard it first. Uh, the uh, There's been some drilling as we've been working here. So You mean uh, City Park? Yeah, City Park. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I can't believe I said the other name. Um, what yeah. else do we have? Well, yeah, the the one the one at Centene's already gone. Um, have it we was, talked about the fire game. It was so bad that uh, they, that's a good question. I genuinely don't remember where the the first and not recording stopped and where the recording started. I mean, we could talk about it quickly. What are we uh, What are we most excited about for fire? Playing in the stadium, Rick. You want to get your nothing in? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah, Y'all have fun. Yeah, we legitimately don't remember if we talked about this. So yeah. if we did, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, very excited to get in. I like the, the conversations we're having about it. You know, I mean, obviously the capo stands aren't here. So that presents a challenge for you guys. Yep. Uh, but talking about, you know, utilizing the drum platform and do we go up? Do we go down? And like what that sounds like? Because one of the things that really in my mind was a turning point in Edwardsville was when we compacted horizontally and we stacked on each other. Absolutely. Yeah. I think having that essentially just three rows Mm -hmm. of communication, Mm -hmm. having the, the 22s back behind us and then basically all the main drums in that one row. But also I'm just hyped to be there, man. Yeah. Like it's just going to be a good time. It's going to be fun. It is going to be exciting going into a stadium that was built for this we've done a lot of soccer park is great but there's nothing behind us so that sound just kind of went off into nowhere same thing with the saue same thing with herman all of those places were not built to compact sound and this stadium is really meant to bring that sound in and maybe that'll make it so on the easy chance we finally get some audience participation in the larger stands because people can hear it and can actually get involved with it. Well, I imagine it's going to be easier, right? I mean, when we look at, I mean, when we look at at SLU, we did all right at Herman because they're big sections, you know, they're big vertical sections. Yep. Um, At Edwardsville, they're not as, they're not as deep, right? So we end up taking 75% of the section that we're in just for us and our gear. Yep. So it's up to the sections next to us to do the chanting and that spreads the capos out and that adds difficulty because we're also so far down to one side that everybody on the other end, you know, uh, most of them probably don't care about what we do, but it, it stops them from being getting, being involved just by the nature of the distance and the, the horizontal layout of the stadium. Whereas we had a lot of people crammed in one end, right? So they're going to be able to see us. They're going to be able to hear us. Yeah. I, I hope that it works out in a way that, we can figure out how to get that that orientation and and project our sound the way we want to but yeah it's going to be a learning experience all of this is a learning experience and i'm just happy we get in before mls you know i'm happy we get to get in and, and get yeah. a real feel of what it's going to be like and uh are we are we publicizing our big announcement for us or are we just going to keep that so we don't have people trying to jump in on it i don't think it matters well um 
I, I mean, I, I, I am hesitant. Just this is nobody's business. Yeah, that's fine. So um, we'll just we'll leave that as a teaser. Figure it the fuck out. Um, so if you don't know, you don't know. Um, but we are very excited. There's going to be a huge tailgate outside of Schlafly uh, coming up. Uh, that is the 16th. I think it starts at 4 p.m. Yep. Anybody cool? Yep. 4 p.m. They are blocking the street. St. Luligan's Street will be in full effect. Yeah, that's going to be super cool. That's and. If you pre-ordered a shirt, they'll be available for pickup at the tailgate. Absolutely. That is, uh, these shirts are great. Sam and I have ours on today. Uh, very excited. They fit wonderfully. They're super soft. So soft. So soft. Yeah. I was always worried about shirts when we buy shirts, especially something because we had never worked. So this is from STL style. Mm -hmm. Um, they did really great work. They were super quick, uh, to turn everything around. The printing looks fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Printing is fantastic. Um, if we've not actually recorded since we got our logo done uh steve over at loyal hand uh at loyal hand underscore on instagram did our logo um he's also the guy that does uh mighty kind and um uh well-being well-being and what's the dog one the urban underdog urban underdog yeah so you've seen some of those cans around he did our logo i'm such a huge fan of his work in general just on the stuff we had seen that when uh i think ryan pulliam found uh that connection very very excited to work with him and he did really great work um so if you ever have any design needs uh i think he does more of like a hand-drawn kind of organic style so that that's what you're looking for um he does really great work with that and then stl style did the rest of the uh cityscape and everything on this t-shirt for which the is, pre-order exclusive this logo will never be available again yeah so if you got on that thank you um we really appreciate it merch is a way for us to pay for stuff i know we've talked about that on here already um but we will have new merch coming sometime probably before the new the, the first game next year um so look for things like just straight logo shirts that kind of stuff um and sam's been working very hard with a lot of different vendors um one thing that we will say about us um live local or live loud and local is our hashtag that sam came up with i in my head every time see it on the little wooden board <laughs> scroll down the little cursor <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah this is our live love laugh yeah 100 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but it is um it is 100% our ethos um, as Florida Noise. We haven't talked a lot about what Florida Noise is. Um, and Sam wrote the the mission statement, which I don't know if you can recite off the top of your head, but basically being loud and creating the best game day experience in MLS is kind of our kind of larger overall goal. But everything we do is local. We want to be hyper local, both in our feel and in everything that we buy, everything mm -hmm. that we do. If we're giving money to somebody, we want to be investing back in St. Louis. Yeah. We had a, a local vendor we were working with, with the, the stickers and magnets. Um, but the magnets would have been physically made in either Kansas or, or, Toronto, depending on what style we picked. Right. And, and that was a deal breaker. And we went with uh, custom button maker and uh, uh, it Brick City sticker shop, both on Cherokee Street, uh, because they did everything in house. And I went down to pick them up and they were cutting them, you know, after fresh printing. So we try to do this as hyper local as possible for everything we do, because we're here for St. Louis. We're here to support St. Louis. Yeah. So and that's that was a big a really big discussion in 
that original discussion of designing names and things, what we wanted this to be and what a lot of our focus was. And one thing that we were here at Schlafly today for the thieves, um, unhoused bag packing. Um, and I would say there were eight or 10 of us of the 30 people that were here from Florida noise. Uh, I mean, we had a bunch, we had a bunch of people, um, and that's not, Ne- you know, negging anybody else. I was very, very proud of the way our group showed up because it is so much in what we talk about on a daily basis of we're going to show up for our community. We're going to be here. We're going to be hands on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to do things that actively try and make the city better. Um, and that's something that the thieves are doing in a real tangible way that we don't have the time to do. I don't have the time to schedule that kind of stuff. I don't yeah, know where Nancy uh, finds it, but... It just works out really well for us because one of the platforms that we had was community, you know, giving back to the community, social justice, social action, things like that. Um, But then how do we do that? What does that look like inside our group was really difficult for us to kind of scope out. So having, you know, a partner group like the thieves that, that really boots on the ground drives a lot of this and then we can shift into just supporting them as best we can still fulfills our goal of community you know engagement and outreach uh but takes away us having to drive that yeah 100 percent. and i i think that kind of falls into the way i kind of see myself as just a human being like if i were a video game character i would be a support character like i'm not the guy that leads the line i'm the guy that buffs the guy that leads the line and that's very much how i see kind of our group in general is we aren't the center of attention we should be forcing the rest of the group to be better at being the center of attention. So the drum corps should not be the center of 3000 people. We should be the thing that's moving 3000 people and helping them get to where we need to go. Um, in a way. So, uh, yeah, I, I just feel like that support role very much works for who we are as a group and, and our overall kind of ethos and, and servant attitude, I guess, to use terrible corporate terms. Um, what else we got? We are we're getting to the point where we're already annoying people for being here too long. So, uh, closing statements: things we haven't talked about. Uh, f- first off, thanks to everybody, uh, especially non-members of Fleur de Noise, who have stopped by our tent at games or visited our website and purchased merch. Mm-hmm. Uh, an influx of cash is the only way our group stays afloat. We've covered that. I'm not going to revisit that whole point, uh, but we really appreciate everyone who has uh, stepped in and shown investment and appreciation for what we're doing. Yeah. And if you, if you want to get some of that stuff, best way to do that is come in and just grab stuff from us at merch tents and those types of things. But we are also totally overhauling the way we do orders on our website. We didn't have the time or ability to set up a store in our website. Originally, we are working on that right now. We've got a lot of the stuff worked out. We just need to pay somebody to, to get it done. Um, but we are very much trying to make that an easy process for you and, and this very streamlined cart, cart system that you're very familiar with. So you can grab stuff from us if you do want to support. Or you could just Venmo us or PayPal. Well, we can't Venmo you yet, but we can PayPal us money if you just want to tip us. We will also take tips because that's the kind of person I am. 
Uh, just the tips? Just the tips. Uh, you can also just send me money, but uh, I'll take just the tip. Um, anything else outside of just the huge thank you to everybody who has come and support um, either by buying, buying merch or just singing along with us? Like We are... We're nothing without a group of people behind us. We can make lots of noise. We can bang on the drums. Um, but without you guys standing behind us, cheering, listening, uh, supporting, doing all that stuff, we're, you know, we're just a bunch of guys playing drums in a soccer stadium. So uh, thank you so much for supporting us and continuing to follow along. Uh, thank you for listening to this. If you've made it all the way through, um, we really appreciate it. Hopefully this hasn't been uh, too much boring shop talk. We got a couple laughs in there, but um, any other final statements before we uh, get out of here? We have a sold out section on the 16th. So Yay, if right. you're going to the game, bring the noise. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. Florida noise. Biggest supporter section crowd that we will have ever had. So make 100%. sure your phone is charged so you can uh, read the chant list all game. Yeah. We will have QR codes if you don't have our if you haven't already looked them up but again floridanoise.com is the easiest way to find all of that information um if we have any way of getting anything out to you before then with recordings and that kind of stuff we'll do that but i would not cross your fingers for that because i just don't think i have that much time in my life so um but anyway um i think with that uh, this has been show up make noise my name is zach my name's rick i'm still sam and i'm austin and uh we will catch you next time thanks guys bye bye bye, bye.